Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. We're in a, the fourth week, the final week of our generous IRL journey, and it is fun to to connect again about this journey that we've been on. So welcome to those of you in the room. Hopefully you enjoy the weather outside. It is frightful. For those of you watching online, I hope you're as cold as we are. I want to share it, you know, no matter where you are. And for our friends who are at the prison and jail, it is always good to hang out with you here on a Sunday morning. Uh, You know, I want to take some of you back to maybe a, an earlier day, uh, and you know, I, we forgot to mention something in our announcements time. If there's, no, not that yet. If, uh, if you have anyone young in the room, this will be slightly PG-13, and it's Costume Sunday down there. So, you know, if you wanna take them down, you can, slightly, slightly. Uh, but I wanna take you back to my childhood. Now, now, this is not me, but this is what I kind of remember life being like for me because I was one of these kids in elementary school that got a growth spurt early. And so I was taller than a lot of the other friends of mine. But if you've seen my sons, you get an idea of what I look like. I was really tall and as rail thin as you could be. My mom called me skin and bones because I had nothing of weight on me. So when, when I went out for football in elementary school, my mom, Mama Bear, wanted to protect me as best she could. So she bought me these shoulder pads that were like huge on me to try to protect me. And so when you put a jersey over these shoulder pads, this rail thin little boy looked like a big, big guy. And so when I walked onto the field, my coaches looked at me like, whoa, dude, offensive line. You know, and I was like, no receiver. You know, seriously, I just want to run from people as best I could. But they put me on the offensive line thinking I was this huge dude. And so I got ready for the season. We came to the first game. I was the offensive guard. You know, one of those guys that's supposed to maul the people in front of you. And that day I walked in and Dan Foreman was the guy across from me on the field. Dan Foreman, by the time we got to high school, he was one of these guys that was like six foot four, 260 pound of pure manlyhood. And when he was in elementary school, he was only a little bit smaller than that. At least that's what I remember on that day. I mean, I, I got down in my stance in the first uh, play of the game and I looked up at Dan and Dan got this smile on his face. You know that smile when you know you're going to have a good game? You know, he looked at me like he was going to have a good game. Well, he did not have a good game. He had an amazing game. <laughs> I mean, he just walloped on me. I mean, ten, like 10 sacks by halftime. He just kept running over me. And so they tried to move me to the other side of the line, and Dan just followed me. He said, I'm just going wherever you go, I'm going with you. It, it was one of those days that it helped me learn early on that when it comes to football season, I was ready for the marching band. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. Um, it was a day that it made me feel unqualified, unworthy. The players on my team looking at me, I mean, I felt unloved. I was a fish out of water. I did not fit in. 
Ever been there? Sometime in your life, did you ever have these feelings as well? You know, for whatever the reason uh, that we go through life and we have these times for whatever it is, whether it's because of something that's happened to us, something that we've done, maybe for you it's being here on a Sunday morning. You know, we come in and we're supposed to be worshiping God and talking about following God and you're thinking, yeah, not me. This guy is not cut out for that. So maybe these are the emotions that you have here on Sunday mornings as you struggle through this. Because we, we have these times in our lives and we, we wonder, you know, as we're talking about generous IRL, and we're thinking God's calling people to be generous and you might be thinking, nah, no way. But you know, as I search the scriptures and I look at all the different stories of the people in the scriptures and I, and I watch their stories unfold and and I see God doing extraordinary things through all of these people. But yet I look at their stories and I look at some of their, their character. I look at some of their sin that they've been involved in. And I think, God, you chose them. And God says, yeah, isn't it so cool? Yes, I chose even them. Unqualified, unworthy, unloved. You know Two of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12. Chapter 12 uh, basically says, this is how you should live. And when we say, how do I live that way and why do I live that way? Then we go back to chapter 11. It's there. It's called the Hall of Faith. And it lives per, lists person after person after person who it says they walked in faith of God and because of their faith in God, they, God raised them up to do extraordinary things. But then as you look at that list and you recognize some of those stories and you start thinking, wait a second, this guy and this girl, they were unqualified. They were unworthy. I should have been unloved because of the, the, what they did. And then we even see this one person. This one person that has their sin listed right there in the hall of faith. She has, it says she has faith, but really? God? We're, we're talking about Rahab. It says it was by faith. So she had faith, it says, that Rahab the what? Yeah, well, you don't like saying that word either, do you? Yeah, we don't. It's just like, it, we just, it doesn't feel right. The prostitute, faith, prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given we're talking generous, right? IRL. She had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So it says that she has faith. She is generous. But yet, James, the brother of Jesus, when he was looking way back to her story, he had to speak to it too. It's in, in James chapter 2, it says, in the same way was not even Rahab the, you can say it, the prostitute, yeah, considered righteous? Scratch your head again. For what she did when, now notice, the righteous doesn't go with this. Let's get that straight right away. God is not approving this. He's saying righteous for what she did when she gave lodging, when she was generous to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Two different places in the newer part of the Bible as they look back at the stories of the men and women of faith and they're saying, here's this woman who, yes, was a prostitute 
and dealt with all the brokenness that goes with that journey in her life. But yet God raised even her and her story up. You know, Rahab, as you look at these two passages, was a woman of faith. She was generous, righteous in what she did, yet a prostitute. You know, do those things really go together? Should we even really be looking at her story if that's part of the story? And the answer is absolutely yes, we should. Because I have no doubt that many of us have felt some of the same things in life that Rahab felt. That she would have been a person who felt unworthy, unqualified, unloved, broken, battered, and bruised. There's no way that God could, and that's us. We feel this way sometimes. There's no way that God could ever do something with this. But you see, Rahab in her story shows us just the opposite, that God calls all of us, pulls us out of where we are to to go on a journey of faith with him. Let's check out her story. We find it all the way back in the earlier part of the Bible. It's in Joshua chapter two. Now, Joshua had just taken over for Moses. He's getting ready to lead the people of God into the promised land. And as Joshua's there getting ready to go across, he says, ah, I want to do something first. And so it says, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove, and he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So Joshua, he just wants to get an understanding of what the lay of the land is. What are the people thinking over there? So he sends out two spies. Let's see what the spies do. It says, so the two men set out and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, as we read this early part of the story, we're thinking these two spies, they're great Israelite people. Surely they shouldn't be. You know, we like to see, is there any way we can change the story you know, and, and some scholars, they've done the research, they've tried because they've looked at the, the Hebrew word that we translate here as prostitute, it has some different meanings to it. It can also mean someone who manages a place like an inn or a bed and breakfast, a place that someone comes and they stay there. And so we like to think maybe, but the problem is every other place that we see throughout scripture where we see Rahab mentioned, it says she was definitely a a prostitute. So, but more than likely, the scholars agree that this was a place that people could come and stay for the night, like a bed and breakfast. It was just a place that had some extras beyond cable TV. You know, there was opportunities, if you so desired, for some extracurricular activity, some fringe benefits, maybe. It was a brothel. Thank you for, yeah. Yeah. And so, and Rahab would have been that person who would have provided the fringe benefits if someone was longing for it. And so we, we see this story and we understand what's going on. And so the spies, as they came through town, they were noticed. There were people in the crowd that noticed they are some of those people from over there. And so what happened was these people that noticed the spies as they went into Rahab's place, they spilled the tea. Catch that, teenagers? Now, see, for those of you who aren't as hip as your pastor is, you don't know that that means share the message. You know, send the gossip on down there. And there, there was not a cap on it either. 
I just learned that extra part today. So I'm even hipper than I was first service. But see, the thing is, now that I said hip, my daughter says, you're no longer hip, dad. It is what it is. So the, the, the news started to be spreading. So now the king is going to get involved. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. So Rahab, she's faced with a, a choice now, isn't she? You know, how is she going to respond to this request? Now, we have to realize who Rahab is in this city as people are looking into her life. I mean, she's a prostitute. She does not have a lot of worth except for those who like her for those fringe benefits. And also beyond that, later on in the story, we learned that she was a woman in that time period. If you were a woman, if you wanted worth, it came through your husband and your children. She did not have either in this time period. So she had a lot of unworth from what the society was said. So for the king looking into her life, for him to eliminate her, it would not have been a big deal to anyone in that community. And so now, what does she do then? She realizes she has a choice that she has to make. The smart choice for her, if she wanted to go on living, would be to just turn these guys over to the king and let's get back on with life. But you remember those earlier passages that we read about her? That she was a woman of faith? Well, how does her faith play out in the story? Let's see. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied to the king and the leaders, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, but if you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. So she hid them, but then she shared this deception with the king and the other leaders. Now, again, do you remember back what we said that the, what James said about her, that she was this righteous person? Well, if she is a righteous person, she's lying. Doesn't she know that God doesn't appreciate lying? I mean, she could have easily gone back to Leviticus chapter 19. Do not steal, God says. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Didn't she know this? And the answer is simply no. Because this was the word that was given through Moses to the people of God. And the people of God haven't shared this message. The Bible's not out there ready for everybody yet. She wouldn't have known this. She had just a simple little faith. Maybe we were expecting too much if we're expecting her to perfectly act like Jesus right away with this little faith that she has. Maybe for some of you, you know, with the faith that you have. Maybe you have the expectation that someone's looking at you thinking, I have to be perfect little Jesus boy and girl. But that's why we say in the front of our auditorium as you walk in every week, come as you are, right? We can't have the expectations that every one of us here are perfectly walking like Jesus. I'm not. Maybe you're there, not. Because God calls us to come as you are and become who God created you to be. We're all on a journey of faith, just like Rahab was. And we all find ourselves that we've done things and things have been done to us. We find this brokenness, this hurting. We feel unworthy and unqualified and unloved. 
Come as you are. You know, the the great scholar Warren Wearsby says this. He says, it's remarkable how God in his grace uses people like Rahab, who we might think could never become his servants. You know, we can get so involved in looking around and judging others for the things that they have done or the things that have been done to them and saying, surely not. And God says, surely yes. I can use them. I can transform them and help them to take a walk of faith, become who I created them to be, God says. Her faith is moving her. Let's see how it continues to play out. Actually, Rahab had taken the spies up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went off looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. So her faith is moving her to do what she's doing. You know, we think, why would she do this? Again, she's risking her life, people. The king could easily have her eliminated right away. Why would she do this? Because she has this, as we're going to see a little bit more here later, but she has this little faith. It's a small, she's still trying to figure it out, but she has this small faith. But you remember what Jesus said about someone who even has a little faith? Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So if you have these excuses of saying, I just know God a little bit. I just have a little faith, and surely God couldn't use me. You see, God says just the opposite. Because even if we have a small faith, a small faith can move mountains, but many times we are the mountains that usually need to be moved because we have all these excuses to keep us where we are. But if we just have a little faith, if we truly have a faith in God, God says, take a step, walk with me, take a journey with me, and I'm gonna help you to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. But we have to allow that little faith of ours to move the mountain that we sometimes are. And God just starts doing great things. She has this faith. It's a small faith. She doesn't know a lot about God yet, but it's moving her to do some great things from God. So what happens? Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the rooftop to talk with them. And notice she's going to start sharing what her faith is all about. I know, she says, I know, I believe that the Lord has given you this land, she told them. Let's pause a second there. What in the world? I know that the Lord has given you? What Lord? What does she know about the Lord? Well, it's the Lord, the creator Lord that she has started to hear about. And she is now saying, I have this belief in the Lord. She's not done. She wants to explain a little bit about what she has seen of the faithfulness of this God. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard about the Lord, how he made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear, 
No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. They're hearing these stories, these amazing stories of what God is doing. And the people are melting in fear. It says, we are afraid to stand up against you because of what we heard. Now notice the difference because all the other people, they're running in fear or trying to capture the spies to stop whatever is going to be happening. But Rahab is seeing the same thing and she's taking these steps of faith that is causing her to be generous to the spies. And then she, get this, she says this, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Do you see this? Holy cow! Or should I say, as she was probably saying, holy God. Right? I mean, this is a mind-blowing thought that she says. She all of a sudden is stating that I believe that this God who has been helping you, I mean, she lives in this pagan land with all these little idols and gods that they chase after and, and they try to take care of. But now she recognizes that the God who has been walking with this people of God, that he's the supreme God of the heavens and the earth. And as she starts to ponder just who this God is, she starts to recognize the heavens and the earth and how amazing that they are. And then she starts remembering the stories of faithfulness of God, caring for the people of God and, and moving along with them. And so what is she starting to understand about this supreme God? That God is generous in real life. That God is caring for the people and loving them. How do we go A to B? Because here's the deal. If, if I put my faith in a generous God, I too will become generous in real life. Rahab, it says, has faith faith in God. And if she sees God as a generous God in how he's caring for the people and how he's creating the world, then if I have faith in a generous God, then it will move me in my life to begin to be generous in real life as well. Rahab demonstrates what her faith in God is all about. She recognizes who the supreme God of the heavens and the earth is, and she allows it to move her to become generous to the spies. Now, as she's being generous to the spies, as she's seeing this generous God, she's hoping that God is going to continue to be generous to her. Now, swear to me, she says to the spies, by the Lord, that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, that you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all of their families. She is hoping that her faith in God will play out in this generous God being faithful to her. This, they, so the spies respond, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when you have returned, when they return, you can go on your way. And that's exactly what happened. The spies escaped. She kept her word. They were able to escape. They made their way back to Joshua. Now, to fully appreciate 
how the amazing faith of this woman who in society's eyes was unworthy, unqualified to do anything, to see how God moves in her life. I need to just quickly share you what the rest of the story looks like for her. Because after the spies got back, Joshua and the, the people of God, they did come in and they, finished, they conquered Jericho. Rahab and her family, her big family, were all saved. And not only were they saved, but the people of God adopted her. They say, you are one of us because we, the faith that we see in you, we're going to adopt you into the family of God. And as she comes into the family of God, she says, I'm done with prostitution. She walks away from the sin that had her battered and bruised in life, and she walks into a new life with God. She finds a man and marries him. His name is Salmon, and God blesses them, and they end up with at least one child that we know of. You want to know how cool this is? You ready? You might want to sit down for this. You want to, do you know who the child was? Do you remember three weeks ago when I preached, we talked about Ruth and Boaz is Rahab's son. I mean, seriously, do you get how big this is? This woman who started as a pagan, all of a sudden she has a little faith that moves her to become generous in real life and she now is part of the people of God. She grows in her faith with the people of God. And she raises this little boy to become the godly man that Boaz is. People, this is huge. Rahab's story is bussin'. I'm so hip, it's scary. <laughs> you don't have to laugh that hard, boss. Rahab's story is truly amazing and how it speaks into our lives. Because see, what Rahab shows us is that a person who is unworthy in the world's eyes, or at least maybe they feel they are unworthy in the world's eyes, is worth so much to God. You just are. Whether you believe it or not, God looks into each and every one of your lives and said, I created you. I know you. I know what you did. I know what was done to you. And man, I just love you. Rahab shows us that a person who trusts God with their lives is transformed into something new and better. God says, come as you are and become who I created you to be. Rahab shows us that a person who doesn't fully know God yet or live perfectly like God yet can still today serve God. You don't have to wait till you're Jesus because that's not going to happen until you're up there. You start today and you serve God. And that's part of the journey of becoming who God created you to be. Rahab shows us that a simple faith in God can move mountains. And you and I might be the mountain that God needs to move. And Rahab shows us that God blesses a life of a person who has faith, doesn't matter how small that faith is, and desires to walk with him. You want to walk with me, God says, let's go.
and I will bless your life in so many ways. Rahab's story is so important for us because it's our story. It just is. Oh, I know, not too many of us here have been prostitutes in our day, and I get that. But what she felt, what she dealt with in life, the way people looked at her, her feeling unqualified and unloved and unworthy, it's our story, right? You know, for many of us, For many of us here, it's our story because for many of us, we've, we feel like we only have a little bit of faith. We're still trying to figure things out. Man, God, you're a big God, and I'm still trying to figure out what this faith journey is all about. For many of us, we've got a sin that we're still struggling with, or maybe it's two sins. Or th- we're still struggling with sin, right? For many of us, we're still trying to trust ourselves with certain parts of our lives. We haven't surrendered those parts to God, and we're missing out on the better life that God could have for us. For many of us, we just feel like, I just don't know God well enough. Well, welcome to the party. The more I know about God, the more I realize I don't know about God. But what I do know about God through this story of Rahab, that God looks at each and every one of you, says, I love you on conditionally. And the generous God that he is, he says, I died to give you new life. Won't you join me on the journey? Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you are that person who's been hesitant. You've been that mountain of a person not willing to take that risky step of faith beyond where you are. You're afraid because you don't know what it means. You don't know how it'll go. And you don't know if God could really love But I'm here to tell you, today's your day. Because your story is Rahab's story. And this woman who was so far from God took a step of faith and put her trust in God. And God received her and blessed her. And she is now written throughout the scriptures as a prostitute who did great things for God. If you are that person who's saying, I'm ready, I want to step into this thing called faith. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Join us today. All the rest of us are going to celebrate with you. You know, there's going to be a few people up here after the service. I invite you to come up and let us know. Pray, we'll pray with you. And maybe take the card that's in the back of the chair that says, I have decided. Fill that out. Check the box that says, I've decided to make a commitment. Online, you can fill out the Connect card. Let us know so that we can connect with you ongoing. Because God calls every one of us, come as you are, and become who God created me to be. And for this month, we're talking about this thing called generous IRL, because God calls every one of us to step into this thing called generosity. What does it look like for you? I don't know. We all have different situations going on. Maybe it's simply you're supposed to invite someone over to your house and be hospitable. Maybe you're supposed to start serving somewhere around the church. Maybe you're supposed to start reading with your kids or your grandchildren out of the Bible and praying with them. Maybe you're supposed to start talking nicer to your spouse. Maybe you're called to step into being a life giver. I don't know what your story is, 
but I know what your story is because I know how God wants to be part of your story. Won't you join him and take a step of faith and see how God blesses you like he blessed Rahab? God, thank you. Thank you for this amazing, mind-blowing story. Thank you, God, for allowing us to realize that it's our story. And we all find ourselves in different ways on this story as we have felt this, these moments in our lives where we felt unworthy, unqualified, unloved. But here you are, God, letting us know you love us. Yes, even us. So God, I invite you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, overwhelm our hearts in this moment. Stir us like you stirred Rahab to go into this world and live for you because you first lived and died and lived again for us. And may you get the glory. In your name, amen.